The battle of Britain is about to begin. Welcome back to the Lead Pursuit Podcast. Tonight, we're going to talk about the event where it all began. Yes, where it began for our lowly little podcast at Adepticon. We're joined tonight by Mike Rafferty, the historical czar, or coordinator for those of you not historically inclined, for Adepticon 2022. Mike, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, guys. I appreciate you having me on. Awesome. Good to talk to you. Uh, Casey, you're also on joining us again. How's everything going out there in Texas? What is it like a balmy 60 degrees, 70 you're degrees? You're never going to believe this. It's actually post-apocalyptic weather. It froze. No snow yet like we had last year. So, you know, it's not the end of the world, but it's pretty cold. Is your power grid still yeah, up? Power, is yes, the water main still barely. working? <laughs> it's a little cold. It's kind of like a y'all's weather. But, you know, it's like people say like, oh, it's 20 degrees at shorts weather. My whole family, fire going, parkas. Yeah, I'm not even going outside if I don't have to. I'm a wuss. But speaking of people who don't mind being out when it's cold and wet, Brett, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. It's uh, not cold here. Exactly. It's not cold in Florida. Yeah, we don't care. Next. (laughs) So moving on from Brett telling us it's not cold. Hey, let's talk about Adepticon. Uh, All right. So before we talk about actually the event, you know, it's kind of one of my pet rocks, things that I like to find about weird crossovers or places where we as a gaming community uh, align on things. Mike, before you get too far into telling us all the cool things that are going on with Adepticon 2022, we kind of want to know what's your gaming background. I mean, we don't necessarily need to know your chops. If you're a pure Napoleonics guy who, who really fits the definition of Grognard, you don't need to tell us. But where did you get your start in gaming and what brought you to Adepticon? Well, I comment on people's uniform colors and make sure they're precise. see i know you're one of those <laughs> no nah. casey you guys can hang out and drink beer i quit no um this is kind of funny i was actually thinking about this i actually started playing Yu-Gi-Oh back in like 2003 oh jeez, and, <laughs> and you admit that publicly <laughs> I, i'm willing to admit that i've played Yu-Gi-Oh in the last year wow you you are a brave man well continue <laughs> <laughs> but um kind of funny about that my little game store uh toledo game room i actually traded my Yu-Gi-Oh deck to buy a space brain army well that would be a worthy 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 trade (laughs) (laughs) and so you know obviously like everyone in high school at that point i went to 40k then i built a fantasy army that I went, then, then, I, then you felt you got left left behind when everything went to AOS and they cut you off at the knees. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I'm not bitter. No. I didn't have a fantasy army. I don't know why I, I was I'm pretty that. sure my buddy is still dealing with that. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he did have, when he sold it, 36,000 in fantasy armies. Ouch. So, yeah. <laughs> I have one of the few remaining. I, we, I build it. He had it painted by GMM Studios, but it was a... Um, Dwarf Thoric Army. I took to my first Adepticon, which I want to say was 2009. You might predate us by a few years. I guess Brett and I are youngins. uh, That army tore some stuff up. I think I finished second for best general that year, and that was my 10th game of fantasy. (laughs) Nice. 
that's my fantasy experience of basically running into pulley on a gun line. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> but, you know, I've, I've been playing Flames pretty heavy the last decade now. Right. Um, you know, I still have 40K. I mean, I'm looking around my room, and I have 40K, Titanicus, Aeronautica, Battletech, Pike and Shot, Flames, Team Yankee, all the yeah, stuff that has a Because I don't feel so bad now having unpacked a lot of my game stuff, and Casey and Brett have been laughing at me as I send photo updates as each bin of this kind of wall of games keeps getting filled by a new game. I'm like, huh, I do have a lot of games I haven't played in a long time. <laughs> Might need to fix that. <laughs> oh, yeah, I unpacked literally a cube and a half of Starfleet battle stuff of all scales and counters and ships. Nice. So, yeah. They call my garage the room of requirements, so... <laughs> but yeah. this is the stuff yeah. you can do when you're a single man in your 30s. So. Yeah, nice. At least you have an excuse. I have no excuse for my pathetic game archive here. But that's all right. That's all right. I say it, it fills the void in my life. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, cool. It, so I used to do a lot sorry. more tournaments, and I've kind of moved more towards running games now. I actually really enjoy planning big games, running them. Having the narrative stuff to it is just a lot more interesting than playing a tournament to me. Yeah, I, and that's right where I sit and identify with that. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm going to, once again, get suckered into running tournaments that I don't want to run. But that's my cross to bear for the Blood Red Skies community. <laughs> but I, I, would, you know, I would take uh, narrative any day over competitive. Um, but it's just, it's how I like to game. It's one of those sure. things. So, so how did that then drag you into really getting to be part of the Adepticon staff? Um, My friends, so... I live in the same area with Greg Sparks, who's sort of the operations manager for Adepticon. Kind of a man of many hats, but he handles a lot of stuff, and he's down the road for me. So myself, Dustin Birkenkamp, who's the uh, a vendor hall manager, we would always hang out and have, we call it the brain trust. But, yeah, you know, we'd have a little Adepticon meetings, talk about stuff, and it just sort of evolved from there. Nice. And I've, I've been running prize support the last... Actually, almost decade now. So, yeah, an unenviable field of endeavors. <laughs> <laughs> right? Please, companies give us stuff to give away. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's one of those things that I think a lot of people forget. And I know in the last couple of years, there's been both a groundswell of support uh, for the people that volunteer and that work on the staffs for events like Adepticon. Uh, and a lot of the other the big gaming conventions. And there's also, as there always is on the internet, there's always bitterness and anger and, and vitriol slung <laughs> everyone's way when, when an event either doesn't go or doesn't go the way people mm -hmm. planned or some other decision is made. So um, hats off to you guys for putting on uh, such an awesome event. I know Brett and I have never ceased to be amazed, uh, both at the games that are being played and the wide variety of ilk, I mean, fine citizens, uh, <laughs> that, that drapes through Adepticon. Uh, but, but it's always a good time. I mean, there's, there's always so much to see, so much to do, more games to play than you have time for, even if you want to just get in quick demos. Uh, Brett, you know, what are, what are some of your, your best Adepticon kind of lessons learned? I'm going to put you on the spot before we talk about the ones we, uh, we, we pre-briefed. But, you know, Brett, if you had to tell people, what's the, what's the one thing to not screw up at Adepticon? Uh, don't overbook. I would, you know, <laughs> you need some time yeah. to get to go to the vendor hall at least, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, that's, I think that's probably the, the biggest lesson learned I have. And I know Mike and you and I talked about this, that literally leave yourself if possible an entire day or the equivalent of an entire day, like, you know, cut out a morning here an afternoon there and an evening somewhere else. 
just to go and see. Don't don't overfill your schedule, right? Hundred percent. It's you know I've seen the people that they'll book the entire day, eight a.m. to nine p.m. with tournaments, and you know that's valid if that's what you want to do. I'm not one to tell you not to have fun. I I started phasing out that a little bit, and now I mean. Even now that I run games, obviously I'm not playing anything. But even the last couple of years, I haven't played. I haven't played in tournaments. I think 2016. Wow. <laughs> well, you know, talking about the the overbooking, I, I know it was one of my frustrations this time because I, I've always really enjoyed being a part of the the Horus Heresy 30K community and that group of people and, and some awesome, awesome uh, people to game with and to just hang out with. And it's always been nice because in, in Previous years, things were broken up into small, I'll call it digestible chunks. Um, but this year, you know, people organized it differently and they literally organized kind of full day events. And I looked at them like, man, I just can't do that. I just, that's that's not how I want to experience Adepticon. I like being able to go in, play some games, get absolutely beat all around the table and tabled and, you know, thrown out on my butt. Uh, and then, you know, basically be able to go and do something else. Um, so that's fine. People, people will make the schedules that support what they want to do. Um, I just say that leave yourself some time if possible. Don't, don't chalk or block your schedule or, or you're going to regret it or you're going to get really frustrated when your buddy says, Hey, did you see game X or did you see, did you get to play a demo game of whatever? And you're like, no man, I was in playing a tournament the whole time because <laughs> I've <clears throat> been that guy and missed all the fun. So Brett, you will, uh, you'll kind of laugh uh, a little bit about this one because this was kind of our mantra uh, playing heresy last time. Uh, take time to eat and hydrate. <laughs> Beer does not count. <laughs> uh, Brett, I know we had a good time this the last time we played there, uh, playing a lot of Zone Mortalis, and thankfully we had Chris there as the beer wench uh, that was making all of our, our beer runs. How's that going to work out for our schedule this time? Uh, yeah, we haven't identif- identified our beer wench for this trip, so we need to... I know, it's if only we had someone who's new to the team. Hey guys, look at the time, it's pretty late, I gotta go. Junior. <laughs> you know, and was was looking to be eager and an overachiever. <laughs> I feel like that's a rite of passage. I, I think maybe it is. So so Casey, uh Bell's Oberon, always a favorite. <laughs> Go ahead and start doing my uh, deadlifts now, my curls. Get ready. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You you can never you know, it's kind of like and I don't I, I guess maybe you all were too disciplined to do it. You all probably never had kangaroo courts. So it's like, never let the CEO's glass empty. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny you said that. When I, my first time I went to Adepticon, it was like in the movies when you see like the small town kids show up in New York and their face are like jaw drops. Like that was how I was. And this guy rode by on a oh, bicycle, dude. like selling beer with like all these like Christmas lights. Yeah. And I was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever been to. This is the best place <laughs> <Yeah>. ever. <laughs> well, and that's the interesting part about the Marriott is when you walk into it, it's got such an impressive foyer with, you know, all the chandeliers and everything. It's, it's a very impressive visual. And yeah, they were actually completely down for the beer cart idea. We came up with that one year and it's been a really big success. Well, that's the funny thing that, that I, you know, it's going to be a learning event this year. And we'll talk a little bit about the split venue here in a few minutes. Um, it's, it's that funny moment that there's food everywhere. There's beer everywhere. You know, maybe your opponent hands you a flask of something <laughs> or a beer out of a cooler. Not that that would ever happen at Adepticon. No, never. <laughs> but, you know, that, that for us was part of the community. I know Brett and I always laugh about the, uh, the hard-drinking Horace Heresy uh, community was that part of the problem was staying sober long enough to play the game. So I don't know how guys are going to do a full-day tournament because 
being across the table from those guys for a full day, I I will would pass out at like one in the afternoon. I, you should I go would buy forty k friendly sometime. They they know how to drink there. Is that an oxymoron? Can you say forty k and friendly in the, in the same same sentence? I you sure about that? Somehow manage, but I will give them credit. They curate. Is that fake news? <laughs> <laughs> they do a good job of curate, curating the lists. Okay, okay. Sort of developing that. It's you have to submit ahead of time, and they will not allow a list if they feel it's unbalanced. It's designed. They don't even have individual scores. It's all team based. Nice. It's a lot of drinking. It's they have a very good time with that. I have a friend. So they won't in. allow a uh, Warhound Titan standing on a sky shield pl- pad. <laughs> yeah, we had that in thirty k one year, and it I, won sadly. <laughs> I played one forty or one thirty k tournament, and yeah. I, I'm good. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it, it it takes all kinds. I think we've talked about it before. That 30k sometimes feels like the Grognard's version of of 40k uh, because it it still has things that facing means something, and and you know, vehicles feel like they uh, they aren't just boxes moving around out there that die quickly. Uh, but I'll be interested to see where the community and where the game goes in the next few years. I know there's a lot of rumors out there. Um, yeah. Brett, I know you want to always weigh in on, on 30 Well, stuff. 2019 was the first time I'd ever been to Adepticon and I had never played a game of heresy. And that, uh, was it two, it was two day. How had you hosted a Brett con and never played a no, game of heresy? Did you just watch Chris and I smash each other's yeah, face? Yeah, I always played dirt, 40k when we did that. that so yeah, true, so any, my whole point with all that is, um, two things that stand out to me in that trip was, was like two days of playing Horus Heresy. Never played before, had a blast, right? It was great fun. And it was a, I don't know, friendly event or whatever, right? It wasn't the actual tournament. It was, it was the, um, so, it was yeah, the Zone Talents, Talents event. Uh, yeah, yeah. Event, yeah. And so that was great. That was really good introductory experience. And then also uh, taking the time to go find a, uh, a, a demo game. Well, a couple of demo games, because that's when we got our demo game for Blood Red Skies. And I got a demo game of... Uh, Thanks. I had almost yeah. forgotten how yeah, we Yeah, that's how that here. happened. <laughs> and then I, I got a demo game of Oak and Iron, right? When it was still in... Um, uh, yep. It wasn't even released yet, but all that's just to say that there are things out there that may be completely new to a gamer, because that's what happened for me, and I loved all of it, so make time to do all that, too. Well, and I think that's a perfect segue into the vendors, 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 you know, plug that I have for the vendor hall. Uh, I mean, it's kind of like Vegas. Set yourself a budget and know that you're going to blow it, but at least go through the exercise of setting yourself a budget, but... Take the time to walk around and don't just look for stuff for the game that you're playing. Take the time to go look at something, to ask the people about it, uh, even to go ask other people that are, you know, saying they're going through some of the demo games or whatever. Hey, how do you like this? What do you, what do you like about this game? I mean, that was one of the things that both nearly sold me on the Robotech uh, miniatures game and also unsold me in that case on it was that. Everybody's like, yeah, it's fun. You know, I enjoy it. And then everybody who'd bought it was like, and the models are fucking fiddly. <laughs> they will drive you crazy putting them together. So, you know, it was, it, to me, it's kind of a, the vendor hall is a overall experience. You don't want to go in there just shopping for that one miniature or that one vehicle or that one template, whatever that you know you need to fill out what you're, what you're going to get. But in my opinion, you kind of go in there and you absorb it all. And, and, and this is going to sound super you know, touchy feely and all, but you also got to go in there and say, I might try a game that doesn't necessarily, you know, seem like it's going to be fun, but it looks cool. But I, I like the miniatures and I'm going to, I'm going to take the time to let them demo the game to me. And then I might go, Oh yeah, really cool miniatures. And that game hurt my brain to play. Um, 
which I don't think we ran into any of that at Adepticon. I seem to remember all the games we played were like, ooh, I need to buy more. And that's the danger of Adepticon. <laughs> I usually leave with at least one new game, so. You know, I had been so, so good until uh, the last time we all gathered together for an Adepticon. Uh, and then, obviously, we fell horribly in the Blood Red Skies black hole. And, well, here we are a few years later. <laughs> um, but I even used the example about go play a demo game and then go watch a narrative or friendly game, not necessarily a tournament. Uh, watch how the crowds play. Because listeners on the podcast have heard us tell the story of, in a sense, we were auditioning games. And so we already had a huge Dust 1947 army. We watched those guys. Everybody seemed like a really cool dude or dudette that was playing. Um, but they were also super quiet and not raucous like the Horus Heresy crowd. And then we said, wow, those Team Yankee managers look really cool. And then everyone over there was, as you and I have talked about, Mike, was a grognard pushing a tank block around the map uh and we all looked at each other like oh hell no we're not playing that game and then we ran into a guy that bought us you know pizza and so all of a sudden we're hanging out with john russell who's a cool dude and playing blood red skies well and here we are again um so so for us it was try the game and try out the community uh and and see uh see how you like playing with the people there at adepticon and, and i think it'll give you a good insight into is it a game that you want to take back to your cadre of gamers, or is it something that you go, oh, what, miniatures look cool, let's find a different rule set, <laughs> Team Yankee. Um, but anyway, <laughs> not that I'm going to beat up on Team Yankee tonight. Uh, Mike, what other lessons learned do you have, things to, to kind of offer to the listeners about if it's their first Adepticon or if they're even a returning uh, Adepticon victim? Um, I think you kind of nail on the head. I, I like that idea of actually auditioning games or as brett puts it speed dating with minis <laughs> exactly i think that's a great concept and and function that's what you're doing is when you're at a con the point is to try some new things it, it's sort of this is the environment to do that in you know all the vendors are going to be there they want to show off their wares and you're going to get a good experience on what is this game like what what do the armies look like when they're painted because you also have pretty nicely painted armies for demos i would hope at least and like you said, you can go see what the community's like. So I, I think that's a very important thing to consider. You know, check out something that you might not have wanted to play before or just something different. Right, right. Absolutely. And, you know, my problem is even if I never sat at a demo game table, I would lose so much money in MDF terrain and acrylic tokens, uh, templates. And I say this having just dropped an amount I will not share, uh, on death ray design terrain, uh, not to game with, but for my display case, I am ashamed to say. Uh, but, but literally because I've, I've every year I go over and as we would say, I finger fuck all of their new terrain and it's so wonderful and it's so wonderfully painted. They do very um, good stuff. <laughs> and I, I mean, to join you, I spent I just ordered four hundred dollars worth of foreground for my Team Yankee game. <laughs> nice, but nice. I'm going to have electrical pylons. And... Oh, jeez. <laughs> you might have gone to a level of detail beyond what the average gamer is looking for, but that's okay. Because once again, part of Adepticon, I'll, I'll be honest. For me, as a as a person who enjoys miniature gaming, I enjoy hex encounter gaming. I enjoy all kinds of different gaming for different reasons. Sure. Part of the reasons I consume miniature gaming is just the look of tables. And 
I don't play AOS, but I love walking past the AOS tables. You know, I'm not going to play a 40K event at Adepticon, but I love looking at the armies and holding my nose. Or going Uh, (laughs) to the armies on display. Yeah. Or the armies on parade. Oh, God. Yeah. It's fantastic. And and that's something that's always appealed to me. Actually, I'll, you know, to give Team Yankee and Flames a little bit of a nice shout out. Their tables look really good and very historical, and I love that look, and I strive to recreate that myself. Yeah, yeah. Brett, I know you're just waiting. I was just thinking uh, how much I was blown away by the amount of swag we got, right? (laughs) I didn't even even get the the VIG thing. I I got the VIG thing in the year that we canceled, (laughs) you know, that it got shut down because of COVID. (laughs) Did you get shipped to you? No, no, I I said keep it, so uh, I did well, we yeah, yeah. You. So I, I didn't, I didn't take the stuff. I just said keep it all. But um, still, even the first time, 2019, without the VIG, it was still an amazing haul of stuff. And uh, I was thinking this year, you know, my son's 11. I'm really hopeful that the stuff I come home with will be more stuff that excites him, maybe about gaming. I know that he still plays with some of the box games that I brought home. One of the games I got was some kind of alien game. Uh, let me look behind me. Level 7 Invasion, right? I, I don't know yeah. the game. I haven't played it yet, but my son plays with those miniatures all the time and has like epic space battles on the floor with them. I I was over at my buddy's house when we were building our Necromunda gangs one night, and his son was playing with his Vansar game. So, I mean, it's lost all over the house, but hey, he's a four-year-old, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's well, I, I've never come out and away from that whether i've had the vig tag or not and been like oh well i didn't get any swag at this con i i literally am either giving stuff away so brett usually gets the stuff that i'm like there's no way i'm gonna play this i'm just gonna dump this on you you know or it's stuff that i would give to chris because i'm like no i just don't have room in my luggage for this stuff <laughs> so and i feel Which like I guess is a, that's a lesson we should have talked about take an yeah. extra bag if you're flying if you're not driving and don't have room in the car Take an extra bag. It's worth the $25 check bag fee. It's definitely something to consider, and especially when you have like bits trading. You don't necessarily know what you're going to come home with. Oh, yeah. Well, for me, I never knew the dimensions of what I would come back with. Because one year, everything reasonably packed down into my normal suitcase. Uh, I want to say it was, I don't remember if it was 2019 or if it was 2018. You guys literally gave away copies of Star Trek Ascendancy in the VIG. And I'm like, holy crap, I now have this huge boxed game that's like two and a half feet by a foot. But yeah, I'm like, how am I supposed to get this home? And you cram it in your suitcase. We stopped by so one year on we... the way to the airport. We stopped by a mail office and just mailed it back like in yeah, a box. Yeah, well, and, and I think we did that one year. We just left stuff with Chris. And I'm like, Chris, dude, just ship this to me because I've got no room in my bags. <laughs> and that's a valid thing you know we've had a lot of people do the shipping option i mean one year we gave out the song of ice and fire starter oh yeah well we gave i think both chris and i gave all of our song of ice and fire to brett if i remember correctly no, is that is that how you ended up with so many no, more did I we kept one i think chris <laughs> got a bunch of fire or did chris yeah, get the other he, two remember he went yeah. on a shopping spree for that game and bought tons oh of that's stuff. right he went on a shopping spree so i gave him my starter and then you you had a starter yourself yeah it was one of those which I laughed that I didn't keep anything from that game. And like the next year I went to Malaysia and at the game store I was at, that was literally one of their favorite things to play. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I was looking at, I was looking at the schedule. There's a, there's a how to play, uh, fire nice. And I was thinking, you know, I should probably do that just because I have the starter set. Because you actually have all the stuff. You should know how to use it. Nice work. It, you know, I, I backed the Kickstarter when it first happened, and then I bought a Baratheon army because I'm a Stannis, Stannis loyalist. So, you know, it's... I've never played the game, but I have a bunch of it. 
that sounds like a common problem. <laughs> We're used to that on this podcast. Well, let's let's shift uh, our discussion a little bit because this year is going to be different with kind of a split venue. So we've got historicals over at the Hyatt. We've still got the main sci-fi mm-hmm. fantasy or whatever blended family term you have for <laughs> for things that don't exist um, over uh, at the Renaissance still. Um, but what is y'all's vision for how that's going to work out, obviously, with the restrictions we have and with kind of the, the space and, and personnel restrictions? It's The big thing is we've always had a bit of a space issue. I mean, you know, no, you've seen how say tight it isn't so. <laughs> We're right? standing on top of each other to play games practically. It, it's, it, I guess, well, this is a good problem to have because it means your con is popular. People want to set up and tournaments sell out. It's a and good thing. And people bring great terrain when Space Hulk literally takes up half of the hallway upstairs outside of all the Batman and Gotham and, you know, sci- mm-hmm. or uh, superhero games. Yeah, when, when that's a problem that's enviable, you know? Well, and then you look at, like, speaking of that, the Batman terrain is fantastic. But, you know, and you have new games come out every year. You know, since Adepticon Legion has gotten to be big, yep. X-Wing's yep. still huge, Armada's still huge. Um, Atomic Mass Games is uh, Marvel Crisis Protocol. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you look at that as there's three new games that we need tables for with probably no reduction in the other games. Plus, 40K can always expand Age of Sigmar. It gets really challenging. So the question becomes, well, do we want to cut down on something else or do we want to expand? And going up to the larger size venues is a challenge. Yeah. It's- yeah. Well, and I think the other problem that you're going to run into at any any one of these is as you shift where you've been, what, what people are comfortable with, there's always a potential to lose part of your crowd, you know, and, that, and that's even kind of my concern as we're going to the historical being over at the Hyatt is just because it's different. That's enough of a reason for people to go, Oh, I don't want to do it. Dude. It's, it's still the same great games, same company, same people are running things. Mm-hmm. It's just a little bit different venue and location. And quite frankly, I, I can't speak for all the other gamers. I kind of felt like Brett and Chris and I were a little bit of an anomaly in that, we really enjoyed moving freely from community to community. And while we made fun of the X-Wing guys, we enjoyed walking around and looking at the X-Wing and the Armada tables. Um, and while we made fun of the 40K crowd, we absolutely sat there and talked to some people with their awesome armies and watched people play games. So, so there was, we were happy to move between groups and we weren't sure if, if that was us being weird or if actually a lot of people did that. I like doing it too. And, you know, talking to some of the vendors, they like being able to target different audiences for their products. I mean, some of my best friends are 40K gamers. It's a bit of a disability, but it happens. Don't admit it in public. <laughs> we don't talk to those people. Hey, hey, I can make fun of <laughs> we them. We don't We're make friends. eye contact with them. <laughs> but it's, there are drawbacks. No one's going to say it's not a perfect solution. The best solution would be they could just double the convention center on top of each other. We could all just stay at the Marriott. But Yeah, exactly. But that's not going to happen. And if you look at it, we've always had satellite hotels. Right. Like people well, stay off site. The Marriott sells out in five minutes. Yeah, we, we never, I've never stayed on site. We've always stayed, at, well, one, because I'm a Hilton points dude, but we, we've sure. always stayed at a Hilton property within a quick drive. And it gives us some flexibility. Always means it sucks because you're looking for parking. But at least we eat breakfast where we want. We do what we want first thing in the morning and, and late in the evening. Um, but, yeah, I think Adepticon is one of those big enough conventions that you know people are going to stay off-site. There's always an off-site element to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe people are, are putting, 
you know, the, they're putting too much emotion into it and going, oh, my God, it's going to totally ruin everything. No, it's not. It's, it's going to require some coordination and planning. But it, in Adepticon 2019, we had Keyforge offsite. Right. And it worked That's fine. That's true. I forgot. Yeah. Forgot about that. Well, tell us what the transportation plan, as you know it, and, and I guess sure. this is where I should make the disclaimer again, that anything we say tonight could change between now and game day. So It is January. <laughs> a lot of stuff is in flux just because exactly. of the situation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, but things are constantly moving and changing. This is what we think is going to happen. Tell us how you think the transportation might go. So we are going to have shuttles going between. It, okay. It's about a five-minute drive. There's basically a gigantic mall in between our two venues, which on one hand does often offer up a lot of food options. But at the same time, it is a quick drive. I know parking at the Marriott's not the greatest, and that's why we're going to have the shuttle. To me, I look at it as it's a good thing because you can park your car at the Hyatt, which has a ton of parking. Hop in the shuttle, go over there. You're, you're going to laugh. That was my takeaway from it, you know, being that we're obviously kind of grounded in the historical piece. But I'm definitely going to want to go over and, and participate in, in other stuff. My laugh was, okay, the Hyatt is just exactly the same distance down the street from where I'm staying. Uh, looks like it has more parking, and I'll just catch the shuttle, and then we won't be making the circuit, being the vultures waiting for somebody to leave their spot, you know, uh, you know, over at the Renaissance, which is, has always been kind of our, um, the weak link of our gaming plan. <laughs> Agreed. And I, I'm trying to figure out some options if I have to jump back and forth, and it might just be hop on the shuttle, you know? A driver. Casey, you're up. <laughs> Kiss his butt. Get us get a special handling. <laughs> Luckily, I live in Toledo, so I drive up too. <laughs> All, right. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about the Hyatt itself. Tell tell me what you think of that as a as a venue, uh, especially for historicals and for the kind of things that gamers are going to care about. It's so kind of funny story is I, I've been out there a grand total of one time. We were supposed to go out there last weekend. But due to the weather, they canceled the on-site meeting. So I did end oh, up not bah, going out. weather, snow, ice, whatever. <laughs> That's what I said, but I also wasn't driving, so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, it, it's kind of funny, because when we first pulled up, it was like, it's just like this concrete building. And we're like, oh, man, this, this is not looking good. And then you walk in, and the foyer is absolutely beautiful. There is so much space in this venue. I would say we're looking around 40,000 square feet. Nice, um, that's <laughs> multiple more than halls. anyone should know. The, the food options look fantastic. There's, the bar is actually bigger than the Marriott's. Well, so, and, and I don't know if you, who wordsmithed the, uh, the on-site review uh, when, when some of y'all's team went over and looked at the Hyatt. Yeah. Um, previously, it was hilarious for me to sit there and read it because it was obvious that walking in the door, everyone was not expecting it to be as nice as it was. And, and that everybody's like, wow, there's a lot of things that actually it offers more things that we need. It, it really does. And that, that my friend Don wrote that and he's my second for historicals or commissar as he branded himself. So, um. Yeah, we went. He went out there on the trip, and no, the hotel, no rooms are fantastic. Nice, nice. They are as good as the Marriott. I would put them as equivalent, maybe even a little bit nicer. I don't know. I might be a little bit biased on that front. Um, usable space wise, it's fantastic. The staff there has been incredibly accommodating, which is you know obviously when we're trying to plan these events, very nice. Um, oh yeah. Yep. 
they work with us. We got a lot of tables set up. We have multiple ballrooms. We're still going to work out the actual spacing for everything. But right. the nice right. thing is we have plenty of room to run our events. And a lot of historical games don't use, like, you know, if you're running an event game, you're not necessarily using the standard six by four table. You might, <laughs> uh, as we know, it it varies and it becomes becomes table creep. I'll call it kind of like mission creep. <laughs> exactly, and I mean the game I'm planning. We've been talking U shapes, T shapes, all this kind of stuff. At the main site, Air to Marriott, you really couldn't do that. Right, right. Here, yeah, you were very constrained in the layout there. We have incredible flexibility on what we want to do. If you want to run a game that's got a unique table shape. We can accommodate. Nice. Well, that, that'll be good. And I think that that comes up a lot for historical. I mean, obviously, for things like 40K, uh, when you're playing at the, um, you know, the, the super large, the Titan level, stuff like that sometimes um, mm-hmm. becomes cool because then you can do apocalyptic scale games. Uh, but at the same time, most games don't need something unique. However, it seems like everybody who's doing Civil War, Napoleonics, um, the Battle of Bombing Ploesti in World War II, uh, everybody <laughs> wants to do some bizarrely shaped table or configuration thereof. Um, but but let's be honest, having those kind of games, the stuff you're not going to set up at your buddy's basement, those are kind of why we go to conventions. And to go play in a big game like that, Exactly. Uh, you know, that's that's kind that's of part exactly of the fun. Right. Well, I mean, Casey, you you and I have kind of seen it uh, doing Blood Red Skies kind of games where it's not a conventional table setup. I mean, you saw it at TLC when we did the uh, you know sinking of the Hornet kind of thing, where you got people from all different sides all huddled around the table, chasing around the table, and it's not necessarily a, a you versus me kind of table setup. Um, when your table's dominated by a one two hundred scale hornet, <laughs> you know, so it, it, it makes for a fun cool. setup, I think. Well, you just have these large games and, that, like you said, they just bring in. You know, I sent so many pictures to like our gaming group because none of them had gone before. There was a uh, Battle of Hoth game that took up like just multiple tables. These guys had huge ad ads, and it was something that I would never be interested in playing. And we were all over that thing. And I mean, there were dozens of games yeah, just yeah. like that. Well, and that's that goes back to kind of the point of make the time to go try something, do something, think something you're never going to buy the models for and set up in your buddy's basement. But if the models are there and provided and it's just learn a quick game, you know, a, a lot of people jump in on it. I know that was Steve's experience at Historicon, uh, getting to play a lot of aerial games that he knew nothing of the rules, had, didn't have to bring a single miniature. And mm-hmm. they walked him through everything, and all of a sudden he's playing Aerodrome, you know, and, and having a good time. Oh, I love Aerodrome. I love you know, I still haven't played it. I've been I've been trying to, and we've wanted to talk about it in the podcast, and we just never never made the stars align. So um, maybe if I can uh, <laughs> partition my gaming time uh, as it should be, then then I'll be able to do that and, and get some Aerodrome time in. But back to your point, I. I agree. Like I have a standard when I'm running my games is I want it to an Adepticon standard, which means that the terrain is well done, everything is built up, and I'm putting on the best possible game that I can that looks, that beyond being fun, looks visually impressive. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, so let's talk about people we can throw our money at. Vendors. What what do we think the vendor plan is between historical and sci-fi, and especially for companies that might cross over, like Warlord, who obviously um, has the Blood Red Skies license, but has Warlords of Erewhon, 
a lot of other things that cross into the fantasy and sci-fi, like Gates of Antares, I think people still play, I think. No, <laughs> they post about it on their page. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they paint miniatures for it. I love they play it. Yeah. So, obviously, Warlord's going to be there. Uh, they'll have their full booth. Battlefront will be back there again. Wing to Sar Publishing. Vince is always there, and he's a great guy and makes some very interesting books. Um, I want to say he's partnered up with the Fire and Sword people, which is an interesting, like, 17th century post-30 years war kind of pike and shot game. Okay. Um, that I bought into last Adepticon because they gave me a great demo and haven't touched a model since then. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, actually, ironically, I bought that for the first time in the Czech Republic at the 40k European Team Championship that I wasn't at. I was just supporting friends that were there, right? You know, right. drinking and we bought all their Jaeger <laughs> supporting by getting shit faced. So don't ask me how that works. But we bought all their Jaeger. Yeah, <laughs> that's excellent. That's a horrible <laughs> problem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Casey, like, oh my god, oh, you I can't drink that. Shit. I cannot drink that anymore. I will throw up immediately. Smell <laughs> like, oh. that as soon as you said it. Yeah, exactly. I, <laughs> Anyone who's had as much of it is like, oh, God. I kept referring oh. to their currency as fun bucks. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder you have no friends in that country anymore. Oh. Yeah. Um, so so is that mostly going to be uh, vendors? So back to the topic at hand. Yeah. Vendors, is that mostly going to be um, historical vendors at the historical section, sci-fi fantasy over at sci-fi, or is it going to be one central vendor hall? You know, How, how is that all going to break? As out? it stands right now, it's going to be the vendor hall at the Marriott. So okay. everyone that was there pretty much is coming back outside of, sadly, the couple companies that have went out of business. Um, Reaper will be there. I think Mantic is saying up. Don't quote me on that. But, you know, the normal people that you're used to seeing right. will be there. Right. Okay. Now, the flip side is I have been wanting to have some vendors at the Hyatt. And it's something, you know, we've been talks with a few. And, you know, preliminary things could change. But we should have two to three vendors there this year. Nice, and they nice. will be historically themed. Good. Well, you know, I, I think that's a, a compromise. People are just going to have to figure out. It goes back into planning your Adepticon schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, is that, realize, to make your vendor run, you may need to go back to the main venue. And that's fine, because that's why I always carve out a lot of time for the vendor hall. Um, so, you know, just people need to be flexible. And I think, um, at least based on my experience, if you know you're going to spend time in the vendor hall, you're cutting out quite a few hours to go through. So it's not a, a quick swipe through and, and run through um it tends to be no, a, absolutely. A event. okay and, well let's talk oh sorry go ahead i was gonna say and the nice thing is obviously you can you know maybe avoid the initial rush on thursday <laughs> pop by whenever it's even if you're playing you know the three battlefront tournaments if you come up thursday you have all day thursday to do something then play tournaments friday right. saturday sunday and even if you're waiting for your space marines and the line at forge world yeah, then you can... Uh, <laughs> Forge World will be back to Games Workshop. Carve out your time there to wait in that line with the rest of the... No, so you got to be people. smart and do the <laughs> mail order where you can just pick it up at the con. Exactly. I, so I still laugh about that because literally it's like people don't know that it works that way and they're standing in line. And I'll be honest, there has been nothing that Forge World has had that has been an impulse buy for me at Adepticon. Everything I'm like, yeah, I should have ordered if I want it. Otherwise, I'll worry about it later. We'll um, not talk about the first year when I decided I was going to heresy and spent way too much money at the Forge World booth yeah. on Impulse. <laughs> nope, I just did all that by mail order <laughs> previously. And Instead of buying it at one grand. Out. Yeah, exactly. Which I should have bonded exactly. at, but... <laughs> <laughs> that that's a much wiser investment in your money, <laughs> which is sad that I just said that. 
but anyway, okay, so let's talk events. Um, let's talk a couple specific events that we know are going to happen because once again, the events uh, page link, we'll put it in the notes for the podcast. Uh, it's a constant moving target. Things are out there. Uh, take a look at it up until, you know, when tickets go on sale on the 11th of January, theoretically. Yep. Um, and there may be changes afterwards. There may be late breakers that, that populate in there. So I, I tell people, uh, take a look at it. Uh, but take it with a grain of salt. And as always, most most everybody who's run events um, at AdeptCon that I've talked to has been so good about this that if they don't have a waiting list, they usually have a contact email or something on there, and you can say, hey, guys, uh, I missed the initial bid. What's the deal? And most people are like, dude, bring your stuff, bring your miniatures, show up, and someone probably won't play. Um, so I... I I, t- I tell people sign up for what you can, but don't be brokenhearted uh, if you miss out on stuff selling out because it will, um, and the event you want to do will get full fast. But you have a unique event being run. You've got a custom Team Yankee game that you're doing. So tell us about that. <laughs> oh, this is—I don't have a problem. Let's just start with that. <laughs> you know, lying about it is not one of the twelve steps. He so. just did the first step. <laughs> He did. He did. He denied. <laughs> then he's going to blame the game producer. He's going to blame them for the fine miniatures they make. I mean, Battlefront does make a pretty fine miniature. So, <laughs> exactly. uh, but a couple of years ago, you know, back prior to Adepticon 2020, my buddies and I were talking of, hey, why don't we run a Market Garden game set in Team Yankee? Because, you know, Market Garden is probably my favorite single of operation of world war ii and it might just be because i love a bridge too far it's that classic like forlorn hope really ambitious operation that just didn't pan out so i thought hey why don't we do this in the cold war Logical that game thought. has <laughs> yeah that game has expanded over the past two years we were initially like oh okay we'll have you know we'll get a soviet tank regiment together that'll look really cool Oh, and <laughs> to let you guys know, a Soviet tank regiment is 93 tanks plus support options. I was going to say, plus all the support vehicles. <laughs> yeah. Let's, I will say, I am not one to one. I am not one to one on all the support vehicles, mostly because I wasn't buying 18 self propelled guns. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, that's now expanded to, I want to say at this point, we have close to two to two and a half Soviet tank regiments. I have a battalion of chieftains for the British. Um, we have a French tank company, an American armored cav squadron, a German tank company, German Panzer Grenadiers, Canadians. We almost had Australians, but my buddy kept making fun of me every time I mentioned Australians in Holland. <laughs> well, you see. <laughs> well, it's actually. A tra- it's a train exercise. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, then I kept joking about bringing Israelis just to annoy him. Um, yeah, exactly. We're going to make this totally ahistorical just to piss you off. Initially, we were kind of hoping, yeah, you know, it'll be like two, 300 vehicles. We're solidly over 500 at this point. Uh, so that's what, one four-by-six table in Team Yankee? Oh, sorry, too soon. <laughs> we're, it's it's going to be in a formation, everyone bumper to bumper. You're going to do it in the hotel parking lot to really put it on the nose? Yeah. <laughs> Can, everyone has to be within one-inch coherency. Oh, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no, soon. but it's, I don't know how many tables yet. We haven't exactly mapped it out. Right. But it's, a, I have it registered as a 20 person event. Nice. And realistically, I could have went to 30. 
But I was like, okay, we're already pushing it at 20, I feel. Right, right. So it's we're going to have it spaced out. That's why I was just telling you earlier, I ordered a bunch more terrain from Foreground. And I have probably a good solid $1,000 worth of terrain from Battlefront, not to mention other manufacturers. So I have to build Nymagen. Uh, so at least it's going to look good. <laughs> it will look fantastic. Because I, I figure I got to build Nymagen. I have to build Arnhem. And then areas around nice well no that that'll be cool that will be uh super interesting to see so we're looking forward to seeing that i I mean we make i'll be honest we make fun of team yankee uh for a variety of reasons part of that being like you and i have discussed that people love to play the tank park um and that just isn't the way we see things going down um but you know it's the i have a lot of the miniatures uh, more than i'd like to admit that's all matt's fault uh for selling those to me (laughs) so we could get rid of all of his soviet stuff um, but uh, we I keep buying start building lots that show up on the Facebook buy sell groups. Oh god, that, that's me with Rogue Trader stuff. So I've, thankfully, I've, I've stopped that for a while. You know what? So. There was a um, while there. My buddy was like, every day you text me of, I just bought this. It was a great deal. Battlefront. Yeah, exactly. One, the year I went to Devcon, Battlefront had one of the coolest booths too. I swear this thing was like forty yards long, and it had anything you could ever imagine in there. And I remember I kept like going back and back, like, do I really need you know this Market Garden, this you know Fortress Europe book? I was like, well, why not? Yes, yes, you do. <laughs> well, and, and John Matthews, the guy that runs Battlefront US, is, he's a great guy. I mean, he's a delight to talk to. And I mean, he's definitely encouraged me to scale up my games a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Here, spend some money. Feel free. Let me make it easy on you. And I'll say they've been very generous helping out with terrain and stuff, too. So right. I, I, I do right. appreciate them a lot. You know, well, and that's what I, my feeling is most of the companies have been such good stewards of events like Adepticon that yes. uh, they've really tried to take care of the people that are organizing those games. John Russell, that means I need a lot of terrain for Blood Red Skies. Oh, wait, Blood Red Skies yes. doesn't have terrain. John Shit. Russell's is a great guy. My address is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I have to laugh because, once again, John, uh, driving to most of his events, I think when someone made the comment of, why don't you fly to Adepticon? I'm like, no, John cannot fly. I need I need the Hornet to make it. and <laughs> He can't fly with that big of a piece of gear. So, we'll Oh, see, he brought uh, that for you? So he has brought that to several of the conventions that uh, that he's supported that we've been at. So um, we uh, obviously it's easy for him at, at Twisted Lords because he's right there in Oklahoma City. It's his convention. Sure. Um, but he's brought it all the way out to New Orleans for Gathering of Eagles um, and drug it out to several other events. Uh, and they're bringing it to Adepticon, right? Yes, I'm. I am doing my damnedest to make sure because that's that's one of the events. Is it's another Sink the Carrier event. So. That just sounds cool. Um, he's he's hopefully bringing that and, and all those minutes. You know, so. and talking about, I don't mean to change the subject, but talking about events, looking at the event list, I was really impressed with the variety of historical events you had. You know, besides the Flames of War, the Bolt Action, like it was cool to see four different Chain of Command games. Because, you know, there's a lot of people out there who, you know, they may, uh, Bolt Action's okay, but they love Chain of Command, you know, or vice versa, etc. Mm-hmm. So it's really cool to see, like, it growing historical-wise, just those different games and the variety of them there. And I actually have an interesting story about them is that I want to say that the group is Lard America. Yeah, that's them. I actually met them at Historicon. Oh, nice. And I played in a General Day Arme game they were running, and their boards were amazing. Like, just beautiful games and boards. And I got talking with them. They're like, oh, yeah, we're from Chicago. And I was like, why don't you come out to Adepticon? And they well, signed up for some games. Nice thing about that the split venue is now we have more space we yes. can do those things and we don't feel like we're stealing tables or, or stuff from uh from any one of the other 
game companies because I know even on Warlord's side, as much as as John does his level best to always promise us the world, uh, as much as we wanted his lead pursuit to do for Blood Red Skies, he had look us go. You ain't competing with bolt action. <laughs> I'm like, damn right. it, all right. <laughs> Can't do things the same time as bolt action. But now being having a separate venue, not necessarily fighting for the same warlord tables, uh, makes things a little bit easier to set up and, it, to, and to do. It really does. And that's something else I've been trying to do as historical emperor, czar, coordinator, whatever. <laughs> um, I've been trying Just to... Just don't send Brett to the gulag, please. Oh, wait, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we might have one set up. We're talking. Um <laughs> Oh, excellent. Um, but I've been trying to reach out to more GMs. That was part of the reason I went to Historicon, besides the fact I want to go to Historicon. <laughs> right. You know, if I can find an excuse to myself. You know, it's a good reason to go. You're, you're supporting the team by going. I need our 10 T-64s to round out the battalion. Yeah, um, exactly. But realistically, I want to make contact with more people. That's where I met Mitch Reed, who's a fantastic right. guy. No, he's not. He's an absolute douche nozzle. <laughs> Hey, I have no, to Mitch speak is, highly of people. <laughs> Mitch is an awesome dude. So, no, we, we love Mitch on the podcast. Yeah, uh, and he has friend. been he's incredibly good. helpful um, talking to him, and he's going to be helping run the Firelock games, which just got... Right, right. They're doing an Iron Man again like they did at Historicon, three events, and you get an award for playing in all three of them. Nice, nice. Which I think is fantastic. Cool. Yeah, um, that is cool. Yeah, I met these Lord America guys. I met Jason from Military Miniatures. Right. So, you know, I'm making contacts, and that's part of what I want to do is I, I feel like historical gaming is very fractured. It, well, it is. And, and we talked uh, to Jason uh, a couple weeks ago about just the, the status of the U.S. gaming, historical gaming industry and, and where it is. And it's, it's so um, – people are, are so stovepiped. And I'll be the first to admit, it's just like me saying, I don't want to play Napoleonics. I don't want to play Napoleonics. But as a result, it means I don't move in certain circles. And so I don't know what's going on. And so I, so I miss certain things just because I don't play in those games. Whereas sometimes it seems, at least in the sci-fi genre, um, people are playing across the boundaries a little bit more. Um, but, you know, it, it, is, it is one of those challenges we have in historical mm -hmm. gaming with the, the demographic and the dynamic that we have. Uh, in the United States. So I, I think it'll be good, especially for this, to have, have broken out a number of guys or a number of tables and things that, that probably would have been lost in the noise had we been in a single venue. Exactly. Yeah. It's something we can very much highlight, you know, right. definitely. And that's if you've noticed on the Facebook page, I've been going through posting event previews and I open that to any GM. Well, send me which has been awesome because for once someone actually gave a shit what Blood Red Skies was doing. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you yeah. for posting about us. I, I laughed. I'm like, wow, for once we're actually on the on the main headliner. <laughs> and I, I mean, it's my event. That. So, you know, I got to prop my thing. But as well as I, I think everyone, you know, we're coming off of COVID. We don't mm -hmm. know how much has changed. Right. Everyone needs a shout out. Oh yeah, and and we appreciate it. So you guys have been super easy to work with. So so let's do some shameless plugs here for for Lead Pursuit uh, for our okay. games. We know that we're doing midway battles on Friday and Sunday. So they're they're set right now for people that have not been to a GOE or have not been to Twisted Lords. They are set as large introductory games. You don't have to know a damn thing about playing Blood Red Skies. I'll get up, I'll give you my 10-minute spiel, we'll move some inches around, and we'll have people there to kind of mother you through. So 
the the Blood Red Skies community has always been good about having experienced gamers show up to play those games. So we'll kind of pair people off. If there's an experienced gamer, we'll let them honcho uh, all the Kate Torpedo Bombers attacking or let them kind of work with the guys you know, playing the Zeros and we'll assign them a couple other players, give each of those players aircraft and let them kind of husband people through, uh, through the game. Um, but the intent is to once again have a big game. Uh, no, and not that, that I'm happy that I, that I still have the reigning number because Casey didn't beat me on a single table. You failed, Casey. <laughs> so close. Uh, <laughs> so close. <laughs> but as usual, we're going to try to set up a big event. We're hoping to have, uh, obviously, John Russell's Hornet there as, as the uh, target for, uh, uh, for the carrier battle. For the midway dogfight battles, we've got a lot of other stuff. But we're, we're so looking wait, that to... That doesn't make sense. Hornet was sunk at Santa Cruz. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. But we, we do our sink the, <laughs> sink the Hornet routine and, and try to get everyone to get in there and get enough torpedo shots. And I got only... my bad tour of histories. I wanted to be a little pedantic now. <laughs> well, exactly. No, yeah. Now you can, you can make sure to keep us on. But it's, it's funny because we, we get in there and, and especially with the, the sink the Hornet one, uh, normally the torpedo bombers just fail miserably. And and it's it's always a just a pure kind of odds thing that there aren't enough players to play both fighters and a absolute swarm of torpedo bombers. Most people want to play fighters. Nobody wants to get stuck with the fat, ugly torpedo bombers. Um, and so by the time they make it to the target, there just aren't enough of them, odds wise, to to sink it. Except for the last time we played. <laughs> so, <laughs> last time we played, they absolutely sank the horn. I'm like, wait, that's not supposed to happen. Um, but uh, but it's one of those things, you know. No, it's a challenge sometimes to do that. I. My friends were trying to make a midway campaign for the new Warlord Victory at Sea version. Right, right. And we've been trying to test the airplane rules. And it's really rough to figure out the scale of what works but doesn't get destroyed yeah. by AA but actually well, looks appropriate. Exactly. And we've had that discussion a couple times about Victory at Sea specifically that it's tough. It's a game that feels right when you're playing battleship combat yes. but it's just weird as soon as you put carriers on the table it just messes with the scale and just doesn't the feel is somehow not there i don't know i'm not a victory at sea player um i have enough I, games as it is i have every major fleet for world war ii and one twenty four hundred. um casey it sounds like you have another friend oh, with the same problem well, we have some chatting to do sir <laughs> i i love victory at sea i i the one thing and i agree with what you were saying it's nice to have a rule set that i can give you a 10 minute intro and you can start playing. Like I love your Absolutely. whole concept for how you're doing Blood Red Skies. And I think that's how you get people into historical gaming. Oh, is- yeah. I, I think one of the things that we've at least seen is there's so much to be said for having a good gaming community at the demo game. It's one yes. thing to cool, do a cool one-on-one. Somebody walks by. The vendor booth says, hey, I'd like to play game X. Vendor says, okay, let me show you how to play game X. That's always cool. But when you sit there and you play with other people, um, and what we also found was cool is a lot of times we would get groups where like four people would come up and go, hey, we want to learn to play Blood Red Skies. We're like, that's awesome because that way at least you automatically have a gaming community to start with. Um, you know, that, that just changes the dynamic of it. Uh, it absolutely bit. does. I, had, I ran a Pike and Shock game set during the English Civil War Adepticon 2018, and I had a group of five people show up, and they were an absolute blast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> drinking, having fun, and it was a good time. Yeah, as it should be at Adepticon. Much, much alcohol yeah. consumption with the dice rolling. Well, so the other thing we're going to do is Saturday, yes, there will be a Blood Red Skies tournament, much to my chagrin. And I think I it'll probably be me running it, unless I can sucker Steve into it. Um, but it'll be same uh, standard U.S. format tournament. We won't change anything up yet. 
Uh, I do want to inform everyone that after Adepticon, all bets are off. That's when we uh, take a, a really tough look at how tournament uh, is done in the U.S., and we may change up the tournament rules for the, the remainder of 22. But uh, that will kind of be the capstone. It'll be the last tournament event underneath this last year's series of rules. Uh, any aircraft out of the World War II Master Aircraft list, 500 points, all the other standard caveats, um, but basically bring your best airplane squadron three rounds and beat the crap out of everyone else at the table, then go drink beers. Um, so that, I think, is going to be fun. I think what I, the thing that I want to make sure that uh, you know American players who are going to be there understand is um, we've had a lot of fun playing this, as we call it, the U.S. format tournaments uh, over the last year, almost year and a half. Um, we're going to expand. We know we're going to change how the tournament rules are set up. So there's going to be some other scenarios in there. We're going to change the number of rounds. We're, we're going to do some other cool things. We're not going to let this get stale. Um, but we wanted to kind of have a, a season closer because we felt like we didn't this year in 2021. We didn't really have a final event to cap out the year. So Adepticon in March is going to is going to kind of cap out the 2021-22 tournament year, and then we'll start over and start some new stuff. So we'll see where that goes, um, and and hopefully uh, we'll get some more feedback because it seems like everyone's enjoyed Dogfight as a scenario. Scenario one's fun. It's predictable. uh, It's fairly canned, um, but we'd love to make the game harder on the aerial commanders. (laughs) Play scenario two, play scenario three, and some of these other ones. So we'll, we'll see where that all goes. Well, and it, um, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's important to evolve your tournament to keep it from getting stale. Absolutely. And, and you know, I've, I've said this a number of times, and I've basically had to eat my own words, is our intent was not to make uh, a tournament that was a different game than Blood Red Skies. Uh, but I feel that in some ways we have, because we've brought the entire Master Aircraft list in and things like that. But, but man, it's been, it has been really cool to see what people paint up and bring to a tournament. Uh, and the the level of involvement, even in a small game like Blood Red Skies, where you may only need you know five or six or seven airplanes in your list, your 500 point list, uh, when people go out and you go, you know what, I'm going to try a different airplane. I'm going to go buy it from Armaments and Miniature, or I'm going to go get someone with a 3D printer to print me up these models. We're going to um, go out there with with an unusual force. And that's that's exciting to me because then it's not just the same kind of canned uh, canned armies. And no, Brett, I'm not going to allow you to bring King, King Cobras because your 3D printed P39s are not uh, are not going to be a suitable substitute. You need real P63s. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to bring King Cobra, you bring King Cobra. <laughs> exactly. Come on, Brett. Hey, the um, Russians loved them. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, it's a it's a beautiful airplane and absolutely deadly. Uh, Brett, what do you th- are you going to play in the tournament this year? Are you gonna you gonna sit it out and let uh, uh, somebody else take the crown or what's the uh, deal? I mean, I always enjoy playing, uh, but, uh, you know, I know if it gets big, you know, we need help making things happen. So I'm, I'm flexible. Okay. Okay. I just think we need to, uh, to make sure we get, uh, Brett back in, uh, for another round at least, uh, to try it. Casey, you think you're going to play? You think you're going to sit on the side? And help? Oh, I'll probably try to help out and then, you know, bring a beer or two, oh, throw some dice, disappear <laughs> when I see something exactly. shiny in the corner that I want to play, come back, yeah. throw my dice, drink another beer, rinse, repeat. Well, so the thing that I guess we have to say is we know that not everyone can get into the tournaments and, and not everyone can get fit either into their schedule or, nor do they really want to play a super competitive three rounds uh, that, that they still want to come and throw dice 
and so we absolutely are going to make some time for grudge matches. Uh, I don't know how we're going to coordinate table space with Mike. We'll figure this out. <laughs> but we, if people want to call out other members of the community, much as Steve and I did for each other before Siege of Vicksburg, um, if you want a grudge match, we'll make it happen. <laughs> we'll figure out. <laughs> um, you know, I've seen a lot of fantasy tournaments. What they would do is round one, you could call out your opponent and sort of right. like select your round one opponent. Oh, yeah. You know, and I think it's we, a great idea. It is. It's it's a lot of fun. What we did, um, and we took ours a little bit to the extreme because we had the time at Siege of Vicksburg, uh, is we actually played a standard best two out of three uh, between Steve and I because we had that ability. And we'd been talking about some specific rules things, some specific list building. So it became a, I'm going to make you put your money where your mouth is uh, kind <laughs> of thing. But but I think that's always been the good part of the Blood Red Skies community is there's a there's a level of respect amongst all the players that we're happy to do that. We're happy to call somebody out and go, okay, you've been running your mouth about your swarm list. I'm going to absolutely eat your lunch with a four ace list, which probably isn't going to happen. You'll lose horribly to a swarm. Uh, but <laughs> it's, it, that's the thing that we enjoy. So if people want to do that, we'll figure out the table space. We'll figure out how to do that. I'm sure there'll pl be plenty of uh, open gaming uh, tables that, uh, that Mike and the team will have, will have uh, figured out for us. So worst case, we'll be playing on the floor. <laughs> Oh yeah, there's plenty of floor space. It's always floor space. We're good. Throw out a mat. We'll be we'll be set. No, we'll figure something out with that. And I'm looking forward to you running me through Blood Red Skies too. It's yeah, it's you know it's a fun game. We we've you and I have talked about it. It's one of those things that it's quick and easy to learn. Um, it, the problem is it does become a slippery slope because you keep telling yourself, oh, it's just one more little squadron box. It's just forty two dollars. Uh, and so instead of spending all the money up front like forty k or AOS. Uh, you, you spend it incrementally, and you, you end up with the same army. Um, but it is nice, though, cool. to be able to spread it out. Like, I've been doing that with Aeronautica, which I just jumped into. Oh, God, and... you had to mention Aeronautica. Hey, Casey, what about Speaking Aeronautica? Speaking of that. Speaking of Aeronautica. Oh, <laughs> uh, Casey, are we are we playing Aeronautica? I mean, it, do the people want it? Do they want a fun narrative? It depends. Well, Aeronautica I don't know. So, so already, I, you know, Facebook isn't exactly the, the, the harbinger of all truth, but the comment was made in one of the Aeronautica groups, hey, man, where's the Aeronautica event at Adepticon? Uh, and I let that kind of stew for 24 hours. I'm like, well, if ain't nobody going to jump up and volunteer, um, you know, we'll run one. I know Casey and I have talked about and, and started working with some other guys to run uh, an event in early March uh, and more to follow on that. Uh, but I, I'm happy for Lead Pursuit to put together a fun narrative kind of event. I'm I'm not looking to make a super competitive uh, Aeronautica uh, face-smashing tournament. But, you know, we'll take our lessons learned from our early March event and apply it towards some cool stuff with a cool mission and, and maybe some cool terrain and targets uh, to do for Aeronautica. But it, I, I do have to say this. It will definitely be a bring-your-own-army. It will not be armies are provided by Doug and Casey. <laughs> I think it's just the natural evolution with us being such, like, 40K fans and then, you know, aerial warfare, aerial games fans. It's kind of oh, like, we well, are. we're going to meet in the middle. This will work. Well, I even dug out my old uh, first-gen Aeronautica book the other day uh, as I pulled some of my Games Workshop stuff out of storage. And just the the whole the lore and all the air to air piece is still so cool to me. Um, I'm, I'm enjoying playing it. So Matt and I have played uh, a game 
uh, here in Huntsville. I mean, why did he have to go and, you know, actually he and his wife have a baby because now it's taking all of his gaming <laughs> time. Um, so I guess I have to find myself another aeronautic opponent in Huntsville. Thankfully, there's a couple guys. Uh, but I enjoy the game. Is it Blood Red Skies? No, it's not. Does it have some similarities? Absolutely. Uh, and barring me being a rules idiot, it actually plays fairly quickly. Um, I think so. So I think, uh, while once again, disclaimer is that nothing is written in stone yet. I think lead pursuit is going to at least approach the, uh, Adepticon team and go, Hey guys, we'd like to help out. Like do a quick, uh, narrative game, maybe Saturday evening, you know, whenever Adepticon has time and can fit it in the schedule. Um, we'll definitely do something fun and, and fun being the keyword. Um, and we need to make that clear. that's the most important thing and like i've been looking at my games i don't even care who wins my event games it's just did everyone have fun yeah yeah absolutely and and we'll figure out prize support we'll figure out all those different things uh we got a couple months i think you should <laughs> but, let the prize support guy if you know if you need some yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> if only we knew who those guys were oh wait right? <laughs> The faceless uh, we'll, minions behind the scenes. Exactly. The faceless minions that hand us boxes of crap. Uh, but, you know, that's one of those things that I, I, I hate to always be the person that volunteers. And, you know, as Casey and I are the first to say, what does Navy stand for? Never again volunteer yourself. Uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's one of those things where if people want to run, want someone to run a game, we're happy to do it. Uh, and and kind of jumpstart this uh, at Adepticon uh, for people to play AI. So that that should be fun, uh, or it'll be an absolutely horrible time, and you can blame Casey and I for totally messing it up. <laughs> uh, all right, so there's one more event I wanted to make sure we talked about uh, that Mike has said, you know, as we, we talked about the community and the community support and getting people to get face-to-face and, and meet each other, a, you know, hangout on the patio kind of night over in the mm-hmm. historical section over at the uh, Hyatt. What can you tell us about your uh, your cigar hangout to meet and greet? So, and that was one of the big things we really wanted to do this year is I don't know what the community wants unless they tell me. Otherwise, I'm just going to provide what I want. So, and that's, I've been trying to get as much feedback as I can. As I was going through Historicon, I was asking people, what would you like to see in a historical event? You know, it's a question. M8 Greyhound beer truck that runs around the historical venue. (laughs) Okay. Instead of a cannon with a with a beer hose. (laughs) I saw something about Raytheon and Worldcon a few weeks back. I was like, can we get Raytheon as a sponsor for a Decathlon? Exactly. Oh my god. (laughs) Can I get some nice military vehicles here? Shit. I'll just take like, you know, static display missiles and things to hang up somewhere, you know? It's like that sounds great, but it's, it's, I want to hear back from people, and I feel we have an opportunity to build a good community here, and the best way to do that is to talk and hang out. So myself and Don, the commissar, you know, we love cigars, and we want to sit there and smoke cigars. The Hyatt has a really beautiful atrium. If you look on the page when we posted that uh, review of the Hyatt, the one before that has a picture of us out there smoking a cigar, and they are incredibly open to this idea so it's going to be friday night not 100 sure what time and it's not gonna be a ticketed event or anything it's just gonna be hey we're here hanging out smoking some cigars come hang out with us that sounds like a terrible plan and would be no fun but <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's awesome no that's that's good because i think you know part of the beauty of having a split venue and, and i always always hate 
um, intentional separation like that. But mm. part of the beauty is at least you have some like-minded historical gamers that have played a lot of the same games probably. They can sit around and talk and, and get to know each other along with some of the game company uh, folks that are going to be there. So I think that's a great idea um, to, to have a little bit of a social attitude uh, to it beyond just the face-smashing games um, and then kind of going your separate ways. So that, that'll be good. Exactly. And... You know, just be one of those events. We have a couple bars and around the Hyatt. There's a cigar shop right across the street. This sounds like out. a terrible plan. Yeah. <laughs> this could this might not go well for us. <laughs> oh no, that's good. So uh, let's talk a couple quick things. We've already talked about some of the vendors that are going to be be there. Mm-hmm. We've already talked about some of the the known demo games. Is there anything else on the historical side uh, that you really want to call out? That something that returning Adepticon players, regardless of, of what their genre is, should know is going to go on uh, at the historical venue? Um, one, I actually, I think your Blood Red Skies demos are going to be fantastic for getting people into hi- historical games, and I would definitely encourage people to try and play that if you have any interest in this. I think that's a great uh, game to kind of dip your toes into historical gaming. Um David from the Wargaming Company just announced today that version 3 of his Et Sense Resultant rule set is going to be, I probably butchered the French there, is going to be released at Adepticon, COVID nice, and everything nice. pending. So, yeah. <laughs> but he's a great guy. His reference books are insanely detailed. Um, he's also hoping to have a mentor line released at the con, too. So that's pretty oh, exciting. Excellent. That'll be cool. Um. I'll shout out my other game, one of my other games real quick. Since we were talking about naval games, I'm running a Warplan Orange, basically the pre-war American dreadnoughts versus all the Japanese battleships set in like 1940, 1941. Cool. You're using Naval Thunder rules, right? So I was going to until Warlord released Victory at Sea, the version. I mean, Naval Thunder are a fantastic set of rules too, so you can't go wrong. No, I, I really liked it. And actually, had the game ran in 2020 when I originally planned to do it, it would have used Naval Thunder. Casey's so crying just... in his beer now, so you, you heard Oh, the victory and are great rules, too. I'm trying to make sure that I can play in this game. You just I'm say that because you're a raider. Right You've got dual loyalties. So, I have... One of my complaints about historical gaming, and it's not a big complaint. I definitely understand why people do it. There is such a massive variety of rule sets. Oh, God. It's it's painful at times. <laughs> and my story is, Historicon 2019, I played Art de la Guerre, and I was like, oh, this is a pretty good rule set. Hey, how do I buy this? And the guy was like, well, and it was a whole long story. I like a game, especially at a con like this, where you, know, you sit down and play for the first time. You want to go buy the rules? You can go walk to the vendor hall and buy the rules. Right, right. <laughs> you know? My, my objective isn't to sell rules for them. It's to help you get into these games. If you have to go, you know, to a GeoCities website and order a PDF or something, that's a barrier to entry. And I want to try to remove that as much as possible to grow the hobby. Yeah, that's absolutely understandable. So, and that's, I looked at Naval Thunder because that is an easy to acquire rule set. And then when Warlord picked up Victory at Sea, I was like, well, that's, even easier yeah and, well, it, and it's it's funny that sometimes we make it difficult on ourselves in the historical gaming community <laughs> mm-hmm. 
That, that I, we just we we have such mom and pop operations that that people will demo a game. You like, and can I play it or can I buy it? Nope. <laughs> nope. This is the only copy that exists. And, exactly. Exactly. And and the one nice thing about Victory at Sea is it is something you can learn very quick, play, and have a fun game. Oh, right. Mike, we have so Not much to talk about when I'm there. <laughs> oh yeah, we're already getting beers on oh, this yeah. one night. So. Oh, you guys are nothing but trouble. Well, awesome. So. Um, we have spent way too long talking, but that's fine. Uh, it has been an absolute blast. Um, Mike, any, uh, any other things in closing, any other kind of wrap ups, other things that you want to make sure people know about, uh, to cover? Um, as you mentioned earlier, registration is January 11th. You know, make sure to kind of log on early if you can. So example, I have my credit card saved to Google Chrome. That's at type in my CVV and it'll load. Little things like that will help process your stuff through. Um, you know, we do our best we can to try to make sure they work, but we are we use a service called CVent, so we are at the whim of their servers and capacity. Oh yeah, well they've done well, big picture. I mean, when you look at how yeah. many people are trying to log in simultaneously and and make registrations, I think my counsel, not that I'm giving everyone my secrets, but I am, is I always go in and get my ticket and check out immediately and yes. then hit what my priorities are. Um, and that's if I'm competing for something like a VIG or something that, that is tied to the ticket. Otherwise, I will go in, get my ticket, get that one event that I absolutely have to play because it's either the linchpin to my schedule or it's the army that I've painted. <laughs> There's a good joke, an army mm-hmm. that Doug's painted. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but I will click that one event, then I will check out, come back in, and then add the other things, the, the good to haves to my schedules. Because if, if everybody else sells out on those, then I'll survive. You know, I was actually just about to say that. That's been my secret, yeah, that's, too, for many that's, years. That's the way I've done it. And it, it's, you know, I've, it's a lesson learned the hard way the first time where um, you know, I didn't get any of the events I wanted. Thankfully, everything I wanted to play was in the Horus Heresy 30K group. And they were mm. like, just show up and just you know, sign up. And they, and they always, they made tables, they made room for well, us, they'd plan for more players. So. And that would be the next thing is, if your event sold out, sign up for the wait list. Absolutely. We sign look up at for those yep. when we determine who gets more tables, because everyone's going to come and say, well, I need 50 tables. Well, last year you sold 20 tables worth of people. Yeah. yeah. We're not going to well, give you 50, but if 30 it, people sign up, we'll give you more tables. Exactly. And obviously it varies with the the venue and the organization. They were kind of masters of their own destiny for Horus Heresy because they had so much room set aside. So it was easy for them to shuffle around and and work with the terrain and the setup to, to make the kind of team matchups they wanted to. But what I tell people is don't worry. Sign up on the wait list if there's either a Facebook group for that part of Adepticon, or you can find the contact information for the people there, contact them as well and go, hey, I really want to play. I'm on the wait list. Um, everyone's going to build their little kind of mini community as we get close to Adepticon. So as people are in Facebook groups sharing uh, the armies they've painted up, sharing what uh, you know some of their thoughts are about what they'd like to do in, in the, the coming games, uh, asking questions. Once again, there's nothing, there's no dumb questions. There's only pilots with pilot wings. Um, there's my pilot joke for the night. Uh, but, you know, feel free to ask questions and to find out what's going on and to try to, to, to not feel like you're shut out because you just didn't get that ticket right at the beginning. 
no, go in, abs- buy your regular Adepticon ticket, and then make your reservations as you can. Absolutely. And that's the other thing is if your event is sold out, try something new. Yeah, yeah. And and that's actually been good for me a couple times is that I've I've not been able to get into the other event I wanted to. Um, a couple times we've had uh, where we thought we were going to do doubles events, things like that. It just didn't line up. Um, so it freed up time for me to go to the vendor hall instead or f- to go try other games and play something else. So it's always a, well, always a good plan. And we have a full board game archive. Like There's random pickup games throughout the con. Well, and that's, that's the thing that I, I guess I always try to tell people is that even if you at the last minute changed your schedule, at least for the way it was previously set up, for me being a sci-fi kind of gamer, I could walk up into the the pickup hall right outside where all the superhero games were, and I could find everything from people playing Infinity, people playing Space Hulk. There were some historical games. There were a couple naval games that were being played up there. Uh, so there was always stuff to go do. You just... I, I realize as gamers, we're used to hiding in our basement and painting our little figures. Um, but just walk up and talk to people about it and ask what they're playing or, hey, when's the next Space Hulk game going to be? And, and sign up for that um, I've and, and do that. never had a negative interaction with someone at the... Like, the worst interaction I could think of would be a neutral interaction with <laughs> another player. Brett, have you ever had a negative interaction with anyone at Adepticon? Never happened. Nope. I'm going to laugh at you. Nope. Yeah. Casey? No, not at all. And it's funny you say that. Like, I've met so many friends I've never seen since then and probably talked to a couple times a week, but I only met there, never seen them again, like, in person and just made, you know, all these friends. Oh, yeah. I I laugh because there's people I have literally nothing in common with that I am Facebook friends with because we played on opposite sides of the Zone Mortalis table in 30K. And and they're they're good people. They're absolutely very different than me. But we also have a common hobby that we enjoy pushing little plastic space marines around. <laughs> um, there's um, I, I want to say kid, but I don't really know how old he is, and it makes me sound ancient. But this gentleman I just met, he wants to run a couple of historical games. And it turns out we like the same book series. It's an obscure one, and I was shocked that someone else had read it, let alone want to run a game based <laughs> on it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know that's that's part of the the thing where i tell people don't be afraid to talk to the other gamers to interact with the other gamers uh, as much as we joke about some of the people that we've met at adepticon because there are some unique individuals that will be there kind of like us uh mm-hmm. but the the fact is you also learn a lot from them and um and while we we make fun of certain people and and their beliefs about when the plastic thunderhawks were going to come out for 40k uh those were the same people that were giving me great feedback on what terrain I wanted to use if I was going to play uh, anything, you know, superhero, art deco kind yeah. of terrain, New York City kind of stuff. They, um, there, there were some really cool discussions we had. So it's, hey, it's always a good time. The Plastic Thunderhawk did came out. just Well, it's scale. just much smaller. <laughs> I just need to upscale it. <laughs> I've been trying to dodge. I, actually, I've been very fortunate. Every time I walk into the Warhammer store here in Huntsville, he's sold out. And he's literally sold it like the day prior or even the hour prior to me being in there. So it's been wonderful. <laughs> the game room's been out of that, too. And I keep going in. They're like, oh, they have the Thunderhawk yet? Nope. Yeah. And the guy looks at me and goes, you know you can order one. I'm like, ah, that would take the adventure out of this. <laughs> I'm just going to walk in and hope that one's sitting on the shelf. That's all right. Exactly. Well, Brett, Casey, any uh, closing comments, uh, spears, or tough questions? No, I'm, just, no. I'm really looking forward to uh, getting registered and maybe picking up a painting class or two and playing some games. Absolutely. Yeah, no, exact same. I've been sitting here looking at the event list the whole time we've been talking. I'm like, God, do I need to show up a day earlier? Like, what? A, oh, man. So, so that's already my problem is I'm already like, did, did Brett 
and I set up the our same schedule as last time, and now that isn't valid That's anymore. why I just All asked you. I was like, like well, I think maybe, I'm going to show up a day should, early. Sorry, nerds. <laughs> well, I laughed that you, that you sent me that, that text. I'm like, oh, man. I'm like, I, maybe I've screwed this up. Maybe maybe I need more time to do Adepticon. I go so. Monday to Monday now. Oh, God. I, I, I could do that. I could get away with it. Um, I, I've, I've got the... the paid time off but uh yeah i don't know brett we may have to reevaluate our, our Depticon I, plan i will say i do recommend for a lot of people if you can come in when you know early wednesday is nice because that way you least you have that day to sort of prep and get ready before the con tuesday's even better but even just coming in wednesday is fantastic yeah yeah we brett we may need to rethink this plan <laughs> or show up on our own on different timelines well anyway uh, guys, I really appreciate it. And Mike, I appreciate your time and coming on the podcast uh, to talk about the historical side of Adepticon and what's going to go on this year. Uh, we're super excited to be there. We're you know, really happy and really thankful that you guys have embraced what we want to do uh, with Blood Red Skies and get some events going on out there. Uh, and we're just excited to kind of do this as, a, uh, as yet another uh, event to build the community for Blood Red Skies and for Warlord Games to do some fun stuff and to uh, do historicals without arguing about what the correct shade of Prussian blue is. <laughs> right. No, I'm, I'm entirely with you. And as much as I joke about that, uh, I've messed up the shade a few times myself. So That's all right. I, I use contrast paints to paint some of that now. Oh my God, you, you heathen, you <laughs> heretic. <laughs> but I, I really appreciate you guys having me on. This was a lot, this is actually the first podcast I've ever been on. So this was a lot of fun. And I really awesome. appreciate That's it. awesome. We're glad to get a chance to pop your podcast, Cherry. So, you know. <laughs> and I'm going to be on the uh, uh, Flames of War competitive podcast, Battle Reports, I believe, on nice. Wednesday. Well, I cool. played Joe Lewis a few times in tournaments, so that'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> I am well, awesome. 0-3. Well, uh, well, we're glad that you uh, took the time to, to share some of the stuff with us. So we're, if there's any changes, once again, do not blame us. Things are going to change between now and, and when uh, Adepticon opens the doors. Uh, so go out there, go to the website. It's got the entire event list there uh, for Adepticon. Uh, you can see what's available. Things will change, but uh, sign up for some games and play. And we'll do our best to keep everyone updated through the Facebook and social yeah, media yeah. as well. So you guys have, have been awesome about that. So, well, everybody that's listening, please go out there and uh, leave us some comments, leave us uh, some likes, a couple of reviews on iTunes or uh, Google or any of the other podcast uh, venues would help. Uh, but most importantly, make sure that you let us know what you want us to cover in the podcast. Make sure you let us know what kind of games you want us to run. Uh, especially when it comes down to the narrative side. So I know that a lot of our friends out there, Steve Gusky and others, have got their plans going for the next series of Gathering of Eagles kind of events uh, and what kind of narrative games they can run. So let us know what your thoughts are. Uh, I will not paint any miniatures for it. That's someone else's job. Uh, nor will I print any. That's also someone else's job. But we'll do our best to make sure that there's the kind of event you want to attend so we can hang out and play some more Blood Red Skies games. So some random other bullshitting while we're waiting on our ranger who's not prompt. Hey, there we go. Now that I made fun of me, shows up. Hey. Mr. T.O.T. over the drop zone. I don't feel tardy. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I feel like I'm right on time. You guys are just early. Okay. 